What's up, everybody? This is LibUX, a podcast about design and user experience for libraries and the higher ed web. Michael here, and it is 11.32 on a Sunday night. I just watched the season finale to Game of Thrones, and even though I read the books, I am uh, I'm a little taken aback. It's totally delightful. Um, what a good time. What a good show. <laughs> That's kind of all I want to talk about right now. Anyway, so like it occurred to me that, whoa, I have to publish a podcast tomorrow morning and I don't have one ready. Luckily, a little bit ago, I uncovered sort of like the lost episode. It's actually um, one published in April of 2014 that we called The Delightful episode, um, and it never saw the light of day, because something happened, and um, and the way that we were recording at the time left the resulting audio file um, fairly inaccessible. This is LibUX episode 2, quite rough, but sort of entertaining. I ripped the audio from this hidden YouTube file. Um, where we originally recorded, and it's pretty good. I edited out the first um, 30 minutes for time, but that's to your benefit. It was very, very dated uh, front matter, just me and Amanda chatting. So where we will leave off is introducing the article that we read, and we only talk about it for about 19 minutes, and then we go into a segment that we have pretty much abandoned um, called uh, the UX Tip of the Week. And it's good stuff. It's accessibility and things like that. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode two of LibUX, rebroadcasted to be like episode 22. Nobody's heard this. Enjoy. You can find more podcasts and articles on these topics at our home on the web, libux.co. Remember that I uh, mail a weekly newsletter called The Web for Libraries, which you and your friends can subscribe to at webforlibraries.com. I am debuting a brand new content series for LibUX this week, so please stay tuned. Can you believe what they did to... Blank. I, I don't know where you guys are, whether you're watching it or not, but I am not a spoiler. LibUX, episode 2, rebroadcasted 22, the delightful episode. This week we read Satisfaction, Delight, Disappointment, and Shock by uh, Jim Shamlin on uh, UX Brainstorm. Um, You suggested this one. Maybe you want to summarize it? Yes. So I found this article earlier this week, and I've been shooting it off to absolutely everybody I know, including my supervisor, who um, she then shared it with the entire reference department. Anyways, what he does is he goes and breaks down into a quadrant um, experiences people have at a library, which are 
satisfaction, delight, disappointment, and shock, and he puts it on this quadrant of outcome versus predictability, and he says that if you want to create delight in people, you want to give them a positive surprise. Um, and that's how you get people going, oh, wow, how amazing. And then they go out and they tell people about the good experience because, of course, no one ever – they expect good service from you, so they don't tell people about, oh, yeah, the cashier was nice to me today, but, you know, if you get something for free, then they're like, oh, amazing. But he then goes on and says, there is one problem with this whole delight thing is that since it, it hinges on being surprised, next time they come in, you can't give them the same thing because now it's expected. And to go a step further, they go and tell their friends about it, and they're going to come in expecting this amazing thing, so it's no longer delightful for them. So you have to go up uh, a higher notch to keep up the uh, delight factor. So what did you think of the article? I think it's awesome. Um, I I don't know. I don't think I have anything uh, really like intelligent to add. This seems very similar to um, a talk given at LibTechConf, uh, um, I think last week uh, or a week before, um, about like holistic UX. It seems very similar to um, some of uh, Aaron Schmidt's talks about um, about UX in the building. Um, I have to admit that, like, I, you know, until until recently, until, like, articles like this, that I almost always attributed user experience to the design, <laughs> to the usability of the site. And I haven't, it's only been very recently that I've actually begun to start thinking about it in terms of the entire user experience of the, the library, the customer service, the building, the, um, so it's very fresh in my mind. I'm not sure I have a whole lot to add. Yeah, well, my little confession is I wanted to be a, dig- a digitization librarian, so when I got offered my job, that, well, got contacted about current job. I spent a lot of time reading up on UX, and pretty much everything was about um, web design. But then when I got into the building, I remember, like, no. I must think of the entire space. And so I was inspecting things, and I always send suggestions to my boss if I notice that something is weird. Um, So for the last two and a half years, I've been building much more towards, um, as you were saying, the holistic experience and not the website. Um, Though, as soon as that new Drupal 8 comes out, we'll fix the website. (laughs) So I do with what I can right now. But what I wanted to ask you about um, is, do you remember the last time you were delighted by an experience in a library? Yeah, I I think that's a, that's a that's a good question. That's pretty tough. I think um, because I you know because I'm a systems librarian because uh, I don't really work I mean, like you know I don't really work with the public. You know I'm I'm kind of in my hole the entire time. Um, it's been a long time since I've honestly been. I felt like a sensation of delight. Um, I think the thing that immediately sticks out to me um, with that term um, is uh, I wasn't even there, but in like Code for Lib, I think it was Code for Lib. It was Code for Lib or Tech Con- Lib Tech Conf. I don't know. These two conferences back to back. But I find I just saw pictures. That's all they were. I just saw pictures of the NS- uh, NCSU's Hunts Library. They have like. Um, 
they have like an interactive wall um, that I think I don't know. I, I, I don't. I'm probably misrepresenting. I think it, from what I understand, it uh, it it is talking to like Wikipedia, and it's um, and every time there's some some kind of thing <laughs> going on at Wikipedia, um, the the wall in the library plays like a little like a little. This it's kind of musical, right? Um, it seems it seems very zen. Um, it's this big black wall. With little like dots when there's like music or activity, um, oh man! I mean that I'd love to see that. And, and it's been a long time since I'd said that about like any library. Like I said, I'm being jaded. That seems amazing. And and thinking about like delight and, and having to top that, I don't know. I think I could like be in the presence of something like that and feel continuous delight like every time. Um, the only other thing is that uh, this is a customer experience thing, and like I said, it's um, I haven't even been paying attention to this until until recently. But I took my toddler to a Dr. Seuss birthday party, and it's a big one. We're a big library. I mean, there are like fifteen hundred people there, um, and whatever. And so I went. It was kind of festival atmosphere. I'm like, oh, this is fun. You know, my kids like my kid gets to wear a hat. Um, it's really fun. Um, as fun as those things are, and. Um, and then I saw that he was interacting with one of our children's librarians who who I know really well, but like again, I never work with them. I'm at like I talk to them. <laughs> um, but I never like see them in action. And like my kid was a, like far enough away and I and he and she were just kind of like interacting and you know, he's three and he's he's just at awe and he's having such a good time and like um you know, is is the first time that I, I guess I ever felt like a, a, a sincere appreciation for the skill of our children's library, and in that sense, the sense of a father watching his kid, um, that was pretty delightful, and that was really entertaining, and I got a, an entirely new respect for the library that I actually work at. Um, but that's like, and, and that's and what's I think unique about that is that it's like. It's a customer experience thing. That's not um, that's not how I would traditionally like assign user experience, right? Um, yeah. But the fact that I had that experience definitely guarantees that I'm going to return. That I'm going to speak highly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that because I have a certain amount of agency and ability to broadcast this, and now that I know that these things are very cool and they're happening in my library, I, I can I can better market that and facilitate that. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, for mine's just kind of lame and every day that um, so in the weekends lately I've been making field trips to the other county libraries and you know I'm just going around studying seeing how they are what's going on and as I was browsing through the shelves because I have a few num um, you know uh, what do you call it call numbers that I go to and I inspect and one of them's over in the fashion because I'm interested in fashion history, and I picked this book. I'm really into into like non-Western um, fashion from around the world, and they have this book that's like this thick and like this big, and I mean, just extreme delight, and I had no interest in going registering my library card when I walked in there, because, you know, I was just kind of like looking around, seeing what's up, but then I ended up taking it over to the, well, the circ desk, and I'm like, I have to have a card because I am not leaving without this book. 
Um, so that was delightful. And it was just, there was just a book on the shelf that I never knew existed and I want it. Stuff that like, stuff like that makes me feel really, um, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of a word. I'm trying to think of a word other than impotent, but, um, in, in, uh, in, like I said, I'm, I'm a web guy and you're right. There, there are these gems, um, that can instill these feel, these feelings. And I would have no idea how to market that. You know, I mean, if you think about it, I would have no idea how to like reach out to people who have no inclination to get a card and say, oh, like, look at this awesome thing we have here. <laughs> um, and probably like the heft of the book and the feel of it and the quality of its uh, printing played a huge role in that as well. And so you could have like a nice list or you could say, hey, look at the books we have. Here's a JPEG. Um, but it's not going to be able to communicate some of this atmospheric uh, feeling that you can only really get inside uh, unless unless there's some super creative way to project that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is one of the major questions that um, our welcome desk, which is, you know, our version of search staff, um, they're always trying to capture that feeling of, you know, here's something amazing to discover every day, like... Um, or one little thing is we create these little bookmarks, which I put a public domain painting on the front, and they have a theme. Like, my favorite one by far is YA fans sick – no, wait. Fantasy fans sick of YA love triangles. And then on the back are three books um, along that theme. Um, so, you know, they're trying to recreate that experience where you find this one delightful thing, and then we – here's these others. Um but I was talking to some patrons the other day, and they just thought they were bookmarks. They didn't understand. They didn't see the concept, and I was like, "I've made so many of these." Oh no, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I may not get it either if I, if you know, if I wasn't looking for it. But um, but I did have some other examples about not library specific. Um, of times I was delighted. So I joined teamtreehouse.com, which is a site that helps you learn code and all kind, um, some other related fields. So I got it like the half off deal for the first month, which was delightful enough because yay, saving some money. But then it turned out to be like this safari adventure and they had like these video tutorials and like, come with me, we're gonna, and they did it in a way which was, not like Steve Irwin type corny, but it was still extremely funny. And uh, I think it was Secret Clubhouse on a safari. And it was so awesome that, like, I was tweeting about it up a storm. Um, when I met the Treehouse representative at Midwinter, I was like, oh, my God, I love this. So that was totally unexpected. And I bragged about it at work, and they think I'm crazy because I just couldn't get over how great this adventure that we were going on together no, that stuff, that stuff is great. Like, um, like I find, I find learning code boring. <laughs> um, it's, you know, there's stuff like Code Academy that makes that, you know, it's free and it's a great resource, but it's, it's pretty boring. Um, yeah. my favorite example, I love Team Treehouse. Um, my favorite though is, uh, Code School. Mm-hmm. And it's because Code School, they do something similar, you know, they have the, the in-browser, IDE and they they walk you through it all. But my favorite bit is like the beginning of every course, Ruby, JavaScript, whatever, um, has a delightful like five, uh, like three or four minute jingle. <laughs> um, oh yeah. That's like that's just like really corny. And they have like these great like um, 
music videos to go along with it. And um, and that's the kind of stuff that, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm learning a skill. I'm learning coffee script or whatever, or Objective-C. And uh, I continue to, like, hum the jingle or sing it out loud. Backbone JS. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, for, um, for, like, days. That stuff sticks with you. Yeah, well, I mean... After I went to the Team Treehouse, I was talking to this with my uh, with the UX team at work, and I was like, "How can we capture this feel, this amusing playfulness?" But uh, and then we were talking about, we're like, "Yeah, but we have a lot of um, retirees in our community, and we're not sure that they'd be the audience that would appreciate something that I, as a web person, find hugely amusing and great." <laughs> Yes. All right. And so then my second example is I went to this restaurant in D.C. I think it's like shark fin, shark dog, dog shark. And, you know, the food's amazing. And then the manager comes over. And, I mean, it's been like, I don't know, like two minutes since we sat down. But I'm visiting with my best friends. We don't even notice. And they're like, I am so, so sorry that you've had to wait so long for your drink. Please don't take this out on, you know, they said in a better way, um, don't take this out on um, our t- our uh, waiter. So, I mean, that was interesting. And my friend goes, oh, he's protecting the waiter's tip share. And I was like, ah. But then they came back and gave us a free dessert. Ooh. And then it turned out that it was, um, like, free beer glass night. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm not, my husband and I now kind of struggle over who gets to, <laughs> who gets the glass jar, because right, it's really fine quality, and it was totally unexpected, because the waitress, like, brought it over with, um, like, the, the uh, what do you call it, the ticket at the end, and he was like, by the way, it's free glass night, here's a free glass, high quality, totally unexpected, we loved it. Yeah, um, I think that's all I have to say about delight at this point what are um if uh if anyone's like l- looking for actual ideas instead of just watching his chat I, mean, I i how would you like communicate like what ideas for I, I, you guys your library does some fairly delightful things in terms of like music videos and stuff like that um i don't I don't know. I guess uh, I don't have any advice for anybody about Delight. Um, try. Try hard, you know. <laughs> so that's all I got. That's awful. That's bad advice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just one of those things where sometimes you just want to throw the uh, putty at the wall repeatedly to see. Because, you know, what appeals to one person may not appeal to someone else. But that one person who gets it is going to love it. I think the I think the, one of the main things to pull from the article is that um, – is Almost seems like, almost seems like the section about the drawback. Where once you delight, then it's no longer a delight. That it's uh, that not only is it subjective, but it's also impermanent. And it, once it becomes expected, and so like almost uh, avoiding routine um, could probably play a large role in that. If you just try something new, if you create, if you could like, if you could routinely do something new or um, or off the wall on a, on a weekly or a monthly basis, um, just that sort of novelty could help, you know, because, I don't know, um, I find that the routine of the, of, of the library is, 
um, makes it, I don't know, makes it, makes it feel more like a, like a stifled erudite li- library than, than not. There are, there's, you know, people don't look, like the workers there don't look excited to be there. I'm, I certainly don't. I walk in there and I need like my three cups of coffee to get started. Um, but, you know, the routine of the job translates itself to what's projected to the patron. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Uh, again, I don't work with the public, so it's not something I'm going to worry about too much um, until they uh, until they see, like, all the new web stuff, and then they're like, we've already seen this. This isn't new. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what is your uh, UX tip for the week? Yeah, so... The art, just uh, for those of for anyone who's like tuning in fresh, which would be everyone because this is only our second episode. But we like to uh, end, we like to round out with uh, with a with a UX tip or some sort of pro tip that you can actually walk home with. Um, mine isn't so much a tip, but a but a kind of a new philosophy that uh, I thought of while talking to Siri in the car. Siri is not a great application. It's not a great experience because you have a non-standard dialect, or for whatever reason, the road traffic is too loud, um, it can't understand you, um, or it can't understand you if you have a bad connection. But I've been thinking a lot about accessibility. There's been a lot of presentations on it in the last couple of weeks, and this is something that's been off on the top of my head. And while it's true that you should approach accessibility, and by accessibility I'm referring to, like, ARIA roles, things like that, skip links, um, it's true that while you should think about building accessibility into your website from the ground up, that it nevertheless is a very, it's very much a chore to implement, right? It's a, it's a lot of extra data, it's a lot of extra markup, um, and it just requires a little bit of thought. It makes something take a little bit longer to spin up than otherwise. Um, it's important to do. But I've never been able, I've, I've always thought of it kind of like a, a chore. I'm interested in it, but it's a chore. Um, and then I started thinking about, I started talking to Siri, trying to get directions, and it failed me. But the reality is I was thinking that Siri is a screen reader. We, the, we, when we talk about um, accessibility, we're always talking about the experience for screen readers, um, JAWS in particular, that, you know, Everyone's disabled in their own special way, as uh, Cynthia let us know, but um, I'll have to link that in the show notes because that's an off reference. <laughs> but, um, but we're thinking predominantly of screen readers. Siri, Google Voice, uh, Google Glass, these are all essentially screen readers, and the way that we're going to interact with the web um, when, we're, when we're behind the wheel, when we are uh, loaded down with groceries, when we are loaded down with a toddler. For whatever reason, we're not able to use our hands or use our eyes. Um, increasingly, as, uh, as, as speech recognition technology gets better and it's getting better rapidly, um, we're going to start interacting with these very fancy screen readers to interact with uh, the web, to surf the web. This is going to be a very native thing. It's not going to be a secondary and tertiary um, choice, is going to be like, I don't know. How could, we can't even uh, we can't even appreciate or imagine 
what life actually was like before you could tap on the screen, right? This is what it's going to be like with really good speech recognition. The crux of that, the crux of the navigability of the web based off speech recognition, recognition based off um, screen reader technology is very basic accessibility rules that we can all implement today, um, like ARIA rules. And so my slightly new philosophy, and the philosophy, or I would just throw this out uh, as, as maybe just an excuse to trick yourself into being excited about accessibility, is that by making your sites, your lib sites or whatever, your sites and your applications accessible from the ground up, by building in these ARIA roles, uh, by using semantic HTML, you are future-proofing this site, uh, this this application, this interaction for a not-too-distant future, one or two years, where our speech recognition software is good and where, uh, you know, by virtue of laws making it illegal to tax behind the wheel and so on, um, we're going to be interacting with a lot more frequently. The next couple of uh, the next versions of iOS are going to and, and Android browsers are going to be easier and easier to interact with, um, and we can make our websites navigable just by doing these simple accessibility rules. Um, so that's my tip. That's um, it's just a way to, uh, like I said, get. I don't know, renew the value of accessibility. We all know we have to do it, it's, but it doesn't have to be a chore. It can be thought of in terms of like a progressive enhancement, actually. One of these very basic uh, rule sets, it, you know, um, can be insanely extended uh, in short time, so. Well, wow, that's a lot for me to follow up on. <laughs> I will say that when I'm teaching especially WordPress and other web classes to the public, I always do be like, you know, I always emphasize that, you know, not everybody's going to be cited or so make sure to put in your alt text. Um, pro tip, alt text is for if the picture doesn't show on the web page, it will say puppy, for instance. Um you know, a lot of times they give me these funny looks, but I'm like, no, really, it's a super simple, you're putting in the caption, you can split, spend half a second typing in uh, an alt text. All right, so my little tip is just going back to the beginning, and I was talking about doing observational studies. Um, like, I mean, all they really cost is a little bit of time and effort, and so what I mean by observational study is what I've done is I just plop down in a chair somewhere and I bring a laptop or iPad or something so I kind of blend in a little bit more of the environment and I take off my lanyard so hopefully patrons won't come over and be like, what are you doing? Can you find this for me? And I just, like, observe. What are people doing? Like, do they go over to the, to the catalog? And then they walk over there and they're really confused. You see them circle back several times. When do they go to the librarian? Do they just go, uh, leave? Where do they go when they come up the stairs? Um, this one department at my library, they're extending it to, I think, five or six people and who are going to be doing multiple observations. Um, no, two observations per person per week for, like, a month. That way they can have, like, a quantity of data to look at. Um, you know, very simple, and they just got to write some notes. Um, and then, they, of course, the hard part is then analyzing the data they find. Is that is that how you're tracking them? You're just going to um um you're uh, I'm 
rambling. You're just gonna take notes and then you'll get together and like as a as a group at the end of the month or whatever and just kind of walk through them. Yeah. Um. When I did it l- last year by myself, I then met up with this entire department and I was like, all right, so this is what I saw. Is this uh confirming your experiences? And they were like, oh yeah, totally. And then they would tell me the backstory about um how certain things came into be, you know, like little pain points, and then we'd work on fixing it. Um, now that, you know, someone else had looked at it from the outside, I was like, that's something we can fix for the patrons if we're seeing that everybody's having trouble with the same thing. <laughs> All right, I think it's time for you to close this out. I think so. Um, we, don't, we, don't have, uh, we don't have an outro. We don't have anything we say. We do have sound effects now. Uh-oh, time to go. Time to go. Someone's at the door. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.